There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome along to the Irish Examiner Paper Talk preview podcast for the final of the Champions League between Real Madrid and the Aventus at the Principality Stadium in Cardiff on Saturday night. I'm Peter McNamara and I'm joined here in studio by Larry Ryan and today we're delighted to have Paul Little of BackpageFootball.com in the star, Dermot Corrigan, Irish Examiner columnist on La Liga, as well as Emmanuel Giannanelli from Italy to discuss the final. So we begin today by talking to Paul. Paul, Max Allegri, you know, what qualities define him as a coach? He's obviously been an incredibly successful manager already. What exactly is it that makes him such a great coach? It's a tricky one to answer, Peter. Funnily enough, uh, he himself says he's not a deep thinker on football. Uh, And just there, actually, not long after Christmas, they lost against Fiorentina. And he felt that they needed a bit of a rejig. And he got huge plaudits initially for for changing from their, their normal three at the back to four. Um, to try and cut off the space in behind that people were starting to exploit, uh, and he got massive plaudits for it. And he, and he more or less said himself that he, you know, he didn't think too much about it. He, he kind of, uh, yeah, he felt that was the way to go. But he's not like a massive deep thinker; doesn't spend all his time thinking about it. So it's a difficult one to call. I would say uh, it's interesting, given he took over from Conte, and initially, you know, there was a sense in, with his maybe with his first league title that he was he was really just you know traveling on on Conte's coattails but it's been come clear over the the subsequent seasons that he's really been building on the foundations that Conte uh, you know left uh, but really built extremely well uh, and it's shown that he's got a you know a good tactical mind even if he says he doesn't think too much about it uh, he has been able to shape a team um, you know uh, to play it's probably the most balanced team probably in Europe you'd have to feel uh, and he's managed to put that together he's changed you know he's obviously got an eye for a player or people at the club have an eye for a player and he can fit them into a system or change a system because the team that played in the in the Champions League final against Barcelona a couple of seasons ago was quite different certainly from midfield you know up to the front uh, and so he's obviously been able to, to buy players in there make them play to the systems he wants to play uh, and, and obviously getting you know excellent results from them Defensively, Italian football is noted traditionally defensively they've just been outstanding. Particularly this Juventus team are noted for being watertight essentially at the back. They've been able to three goals in the tournament so far. What exactly, the likes of Benucci there, the top class players or whatever, what exactly is it about that defence that you like so much? Uh, well, I mean, I think that's that's obviously a, a, you know, the massive experience. There's no question of that. Um, Barzagli, Benucci, and Chiellini. Uh, but I think you, ha- you have to. I think with any defence uh, and any team, you have to look at the overall team. The, the obviously these defenders um, make a massive difference uh, and bring a lot to the game. But you have to have a whole team. That's what I think when you watch them play. Um, the balance of the side. 
uh, through midfield and up front, the work rate of everybody, everybody understands their roles, and that helps defenders, no doubt about it. Obviously, Buffon and behind makes a big difference too. Um, but, I mean, they were, there was a period in the season where they were starting, as I say, to, to where teams were getting in behind them, behind uh, the wing-backs. So he did change to 4-4-2. So they're flexible defenders. They're, you know, they're this real quality um, but they've also, I think it's easy to kind of to mark Juventus as a, you know, a, a typical Italian side and certainly in the, in the two semi-final legs against Monaco, there was a sense that we were looking at something almost a little bit back from history if you just look at the results alone. But the reality is that they, they, they are an extremely talented attacking side as well. Uh, and so overall the team functions. So I think I, whilst there is going to be a lot of focus on the defensive you know, uh, back three, and then also Sandro um, uh, uh, and Alves. Um, I think you've got to take the full team. You've got to take either Marquisio or Kadira and Pjanic, how they play in front of that back three, uh, and then the work rate of the guys up front as well, and, and how hard, particularly people like Mandzukic, how hard they work back and work his, his flank. Yeah, Paul, what, what, I was going to ask you about Mandzukic. What, what is this caper with this fella playing out the, out the left wing? Um, it's kind of shades of E. Norman right in his in his heyday, isn't it? Well, it's an unusual one, isn't it? Where did he? Where? How did they come up with this? And why did they? Why are they um, playing him in that position? It's a di- it's a difficult one. It reminded me, Larry, as well. Maybe think back to to uh, to Norway. Didn't they used to play flow out yeah. and wide, and it used to cause teams. Um, uh, you know, all kinds of problems because they just weren't expecting. It just seemed to be such an odd position. I think everybody just tends to stand looking in surprise at somebody standing out there so tall. Um, but I, 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 it certainly works extremely well, and I think it was a surprise because he has uh, a lot of attacking talent. He has switched, of course, at times. We've, had, we've seen Quadrado play as well. Um, uh, but Manzuka, I think he surprises people. The work rate is a big element to it, and obviously that allows Higuain to, you know, to patrol up front more or less and give him space to work. Yeah. And Mandzukic is also working back very well, which is important too. I think what's what's you know important to note about their their front three uh, is actually where he's not so much Mandzukic, but I think Dybala, how he's playing him now in a deeper role. Um, he's not as as prolific this year as he has been in the past, but he's slotted in now in almost another, a number ten role in behind Mandzukic and, and Iguain, mm-hmm. uh, and he's causing teams a lot of problems in there, and he's you know giving them a lot of supply. I think, again, I mean, the Mandzukic one, to answer it, it wouldn't be where I think of playing him, but I think that maybe shows that, that, that Allegri, uh, was he claims not to be a deep thinker, obviously spots uh, things in players and can bring things out of players. And a, and a team, I think, that's the whole point. Mandzukic, you might say, well, I've got Higuain, why do I need Mandzukic? But he's found a way to play uh, them all together uh, and surprise a few teams. Um, uh, but, you know, it's not then to prolific goal scoring but then maybe work rate an understanding of a role uh, you know allowing Sandro to come past him on that side and provide a bit of support and back up in there so maybe Mandzukic has been modified um, yeah. uh, away yeah. from what we, what we what we understood him to be in the past yeah and he seems happy enough to, to get on with it as well in fairness which is a testament to Allegri's persuasiveness I'd say to, to send well, I think that's a mark of, of both managers um, in the final because yeah, Zidane is, is like massive talent available to him uh, a number of them and a lot of them have to sit on the bench but when you see them come on when you see Isco play when you see Hamas play um, even the young lads Vasquez Asensio they, they come on with a real sense of purpose and a real sense that they want to be in the team and that they want to stay at the club or work with the club uh, and that's you know that's that's a huge credit to, to Zidane as well and, and I think Allegri has a, a lot of that about him as well Zidane is obviously he's perceived as a very positive coach he, he obviously deals with the players very well 
sitting down to the start of the season, Paul, with Ronaldo and convincing Ronaldo that, you know, we need you more for the end of the season than the start of the season. I say that's not an easy conversation that he had, but of course, when you're Zidane, you do have the clout to kind of sit down with these kind of characters and, and carry that through. But that seems to be one thing that he has managed at the Bernabeu that other man- managers probably haven't. Maybe Carlo Ancelotti did, but certainly Zidane, his man management seems to be top class. Yeah, I think that's that's you know a massive plus from. Um, it, I think the, the players at, at Real Madrid will certainly suggest that they want somebody at the same level as them with that same level of experience as players. Um, Benitez struggled with them, and Benitez, you know, I, I think he was so desperate for that job that when pressure came from above to say perhaps make sure that he played all of the, the Galacticos, all of the uh, you know the expensive signings to make sure he got Hamas played as well as Bale and Benzema and uh, and Ronaldo. Um, he he kind of he caved to a large extent, um, which uh, going against his better judgment, I suspect, uh, and and you know going with with Perez's kind of requirements, and so they struggled. But Zidane has come in and he has the standing in the club and with the players to say you know it's it's not maybe rocket science to put in a defensive midfield player. Um, I wouldn't necessarily subscribe to the fact that you you always have to have one, but you definitely need to have one um, if you don't have a team that works. You know, everybody working together, you know, coherently and defensively on an attack. So I think Real Madrid don't necessarily work in that coherent way. So you needed Casemiro in there. Um, the the president wasn't quite sure of that, of having him in there, but Zidane has been able to face him down, which I think is, you know, again, a massive feather in his cap. And it gives a bit of balance to the team. It gives steadiness there. It allows Cruz and Modric to get closer and, and help out the front three. Um, it's allowing players, it's allowing Marcelo, uh, Carvajal, etc., get up and down the, the line, and so uh, it offers that stability. But if he wasn't a, a strong character, Zidane, you suspect that he wouldn't have gone that route, uh, or else he mightn't be able to stick to it. So uh, he definitely has, and, that, and I think that's been a major um, aspect of the season. Does the fact that he won that kind of little battle with Perez suggest their relationship is on very, very solid ground? Because, of course, uh, Perez is noted for having a prickly relationship with previous managers. It's just as it seems to be his character. But obviously, I suppose when you're winning, it's a lot easier. And certainly, the fact that Zidane has a team going for back-to-back Champions Leagues, their relationship must be quite good. Yeah, exactly. I think he just hit the nail on the head. Um, he may have, if he had argued the tactical side and insisted that he wanted Casemiro to play there, and then Real Madrid were losing games, then I don't think that his relationship with the owner would be quite, or with the president would be quite as strong. So, so ultimately, everything comes down to results. Um, but he, as I say, he's had that that um, you know inner strength, I suppose, and, and that ability to persuade uh, not just the, the the president but also the team that this is how they want to play because he's got to say he's got to to get Casemiro in then somebody has to drop out and you're talking about you know supremely talented players like Isco and, and James Rodriguez who aren't getting a game amongst others so he's got to convince them that this is the way to do it and the best way to do that as ever is, is, is to keep on winning We mentioned Casemiro there and you also touched on Modric and Tony Cruz I felt in last year's Champions League final against Atletico that Modric and Casemiro were the best players in the pitch from a Real perspective um, certainly in this particular game Modric and Cruz are going to be absolutely vital because they can they can pick those locks against a very solid defence couldn't they oh yeah I think that's I mean that's going to be vital and, and I suppose looking at both sides um, for me as a team Juventus really take all of the boxes but having watched a lot of Real Madrid this season whenever they get themselves into a hole 
they seem to have that ability and that character. They've obviously got the skill, we know that, but I mean, skill only carries you so far. They have a belief and they have all the individual talent um, to get themselves out of problems. And I, and I think that's, that's down to people like Modric and Cruz, but obviously that's, and, you know, the three front men tend to get a lot of the, the plaudits. But I think it's the work rate and the, the, you know, that ability to pick a pass from those two players to open up a team. Um, and also, I mean, I think a, a massive influence this season is Marcelo coming down that left-hand side. He's he, he's more than a full-back, really, but he gives that extra attacking option. Um, he's not a classic, you know, just an overlapper. He, he he peers all over the place and causes teams all kinds of problems. And I think he has a, has a massive role to play and has been, you know, huge for them this season. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Juventus seem to have, as I say, the, the perfect team. They've developed brilliantly over the last few seasons and got stronger and stronger. Um, but I just can't help feeling the way the season has gone for you for Real Madrid that they might make you know history on on, on Saturday night. Paul, just uh, just back for a second to the to the most important man in this final, which is um, which is obviously Eamon Dunphy. Um, <laughs> like he, he's had he's had, he shared his views on Higuain a few times over the season. What what kind of a, what do you make of him as a as a as a Juventus front man? Higuain. Yeah. yeah yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I mean he scores goals and I think that's the massive thing I've always when you look at him it's hard to imagine how he can move himself around the pitch he's a big unit uh, he, he, he he looks heavy he's obviously extremely powerful but he moves quicker than you think and I touch in a, in a way I don't like to compare him to some like Harry Kane or whatever but you often look at Kane and wonder just how like how is he doing it you know but I think it's the quality of a first touch and ability to get the ball out of his feet to finish um you know, is it, critical, and I think, I mean, he's top class, really. I mean, they spent massive money on him, um, and that was, in a way, I was just thinking back, and quite brave what they did in the summer when they got all that money in for Pogba, mm. um, that they would go and spend it on on, on Higuain and Pjanic, uh, and be brave rather than saying bringing in, you know, five or six guys for 10 million or whatever, that they went for broke. Um, they obviously, you know, weakened their opponents somewhat as well in, in Italy. Um, but, you know, it was a gamble. But again, it's it's like anything. The, the success is in the goals, and there's plenty of success this season. Like when you when you read that point, actually, you're thinking of taking the centre forwards. I mean, yeah. Peter was talking about Ronaldo and that conversation with Ronaldo at the start of the season. Um, I was never, I would say, a fan of Ronaldo. I, I always found that the preening and the, uh, you know, uh, that difficult to, to watch. Um, I think though this season um, I've become a fan because he's turned into a centre forward who, who mm. he's much less fussy. Uh, everything is about his touch, his reading of the game, his getting into positions and his finishing, which is always good, is now just outstanding. Uh, and he's turned into like a, like a superb centre forward. But that's that's been fascinating to watch. Uh, and he's become a lot less annoying uh, on that basis. Uh, yeah. He tries to conserve energy, I think. The slightly, um, a modified Ronaldo as well, I suppose. The, sli- uh, the, the modified Ronaldo is probably slightly better than the modified Mandzukic, I suppose, in fairness. But... Um Yes, I think I prefer to have the modified Ronaldo yeah. <laughs> in your locker. Yeah. Modification, yeah, that seems to be the theme. But I just think, it, it, as I say, so much in the past was was showboating. You see a lot less of it now because he he's getting himself into, into positions, and it's either one touch or two touch finishing, um, and uh, he's just brilliant at it. What about that other that other one? While we're while we're on the subject of guys who know know where the cameras are, um, Pogba. Um, how have how have Juventus evolved without without that um, that viral sensation in the middle of the field? Uh, have they? <laughs> are they? I think people can be a bit unfair on Pogba. I think <laughs> you, you, you know he he, he 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 certainly you know he, he thrived under 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 Conte and certainly then under Allegri because they let him 
let him play uh, and, and gave him a much freer role. I mean, he, he tended to have people behind him who'd cover the ground and cover for him and let him, you know, power forward and get into positions. Um, Mourinho doesn't seem to want to play him that way or trust anybody who doesn't want to stand in a particular position all of the time. Uh, and same with, you know, in the European Championships with France, that they tend to sit him very deep, which uh, and he had to kind of more or less play in that position. And France didn't look that impressive when he was there. He didn't need to be standing beside Kante, but that's how they seem to want to play him. Yeah. Um, a freer role is what he needs, and he needs to, to build a team that allows him to have that free role. And I think that you'd see a lot more from him. The price tag, of course, isn't, you know, to use the cliche, it's not down to him, it's not his fault. Uh, it certainly weighs heavily. But uh, I think there's a lot more to come from Pogba, but maybe not necessarily under a manager like Mourinho. Yeah, yeah I, w- I would probably actually agree with that, Paul, because, primarily because of the fact that I think any big-name player that goes under Mourinho's wing, I think he wants to try and re- talk about modification. I think he wants to try and re- remould them in a way that you know that that suits his style of play. And he definitely he definitely looks like a guy that puts the brakes on a lot of players. He looks like he, he saw Pogba and he, he, as a sort of a pile of spare parts almost that he could kind of reassemble into sort of a. So Pogba, yeah, he's got to break him down, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Strip him down, yeah. And before he rebuild them into you know a, a robot type I, player. So he, he really sees him as a kind of an inferior Fellaini at the moment. But <laughs> <laughs> he has perhaps more tools that he gets Fellaini's uh, outstanding discipline that he could probably uh, turn him into something quite good. You know? Just to, to wrap up there, Paul, who, who do you fancy uh, doing the business in this one? I, I, I say earlier, I just think that having watched both this season, and I mean, it's, it's like you're, you're a movable object and irresistible force, but I, I just feel that. You know, it's been a while. We've not seen anybody defend the Champions League. Um, they've won the league this season in Spain. Every time, as I say, they get themselves into difficulty, they seem to find a way out of it. Now, they haven't faced anything like Juventus, of course, but, you know, they've still been very impressive all the way through. And I, I just feel like it, this could be, uh, you know, uh, Real Madrid's year again, and, and um, that'd be quite something. But I, I just feel that they're going to somehow or other dig it out. You mentioned the, the movable objects and irresistible force. Is there any kind of um, objection in the, in the Italian quarters to, to sort of almost this, this idea that this is a game of backs and forwards, you know, it's kind of um, Madrid's attack against Juventus' defence? Are they a little bit queasy about that idea at all? Or, or are they, as Dumphy suggests, are there young fellas on the streets of um, Turin sort of um, trying to be defenders instead of... Uh Instead of forwards. Well, that's I think what you're getting, Larry. There are people, obviously, all of Italy. They they, they are celebrating defence. Yes, all the time. that's the word. Yeah. Um, and I think that yeah, they they would be. I think from Dunphy's perspective, they would be. Everybody in Italy would be happy if it ended up a nil all draw. Yeah. And even nil all in penalties, with you know, or five nil in penalties, or four nil <laughs> because Buffon will make you know save everything and they'll be forced to take all their penalties and he can prove that he's the best as well, regardless of the fact that they'll have won on penalties already. I think there's too much talk of that. There's no question um, that you know that's part of Italian culture. But if you look across the other Italian sides, you know the only team that's made an impression in Europe in recent seasons is Juventus, and that's only that's only relatively recently. Mm. Um, they haven't no Italian side has, has even reached the final since themselves three years ago, and then Inter were the last team to win it, and that was a shock in itself, um, built on, on I suppose a really defensive model under Mourinho. But you know, if you look at the other sides, Napoli are a very attacking side. Roma are attacking side. They're not defensively strong, particularly, and they get picked off in Europe. So you know, there's no real. I think there's a, there's a massive revolution in Italian football at the moment. I think it's been led by Juventus alone, um, and so 
as I say, defence is a big part of it. What it reminds me of, actually, and you like this, Larry, as an Arsenal fan, it reminds me of when Wenger inherited <laughs> Arsenal and he had Adams and he had Winterburn and he had Dixon and he had Keown and, and Bold, and they were already there. And then he built a team in front of them and, yeah. and worked them into the team. And to some extent, Allegri's done the same. He inherited a lot of those defensive, you know, that defensive quality, but he's added to it um, and built a, a proper football team, as Dunphy might say, and, and John Giles, this is, a, this is a real proper football team from back to front uh, uh, and uh, and they do everything on its merits if you like but, um, I think it's unfair to just focus on the defensive side of it because there's a lot more to this Juventus team Thanks very much Paul you can read Paul Little's writing on European football and backpagefootball.com and the Daily Star Joining us now we have Madrid based writer Dermot Corrigan who of course writes La Liga for the Irish Examiner Dermot just want to ask you first and foremost because I think this is an interesting part of the game do you think Real from the get-go are going to try and force the issue a bit or is this going to be a real chess match? I'd say there's a good chance it'll be more of the, the chess match. Like Madrid have, they have all these great attacking players they have Ronaldo up front and Bale will see whether he starts or not and Benzema and an, an attack-looking lineup on on paper. But a lot of the times they, they play pretty cagey under, say, under Zidane. Like they, against Bayern Munich, you know, they went out and they looked to, to kind of protect what they have last year in the finals. The last two finals they played against Atletico were both very cagey games. And I think because it's a final and also because of that, I think just by nature, is a, he's not a, a gung-ho coach at all. I think especially the, the first half is going to be pretty tight, pretty both teams kind of sitting back and feeling each other out in Cardiff at the weekend. What's the feeling on the ground in Madrid about this final? Are they concerned about the prospect of facing Juventus or is there this inherent confidence in, in, in the club consistently for matches like this? Everybody's really confident. Even the like just talking to fans or going around the city, people are very confident that they're, they're going to be able to do it, that they're going to win, especially the way they haven't beaten Bayern and haven't beaten um, Atletico and then haven't gone on and won the La Liga titles. There's a, a real kind of confidence around the, the fan base. And even I was out at the, the training ground yesterday, they had the open day for the invited the media in to talk to some of the players and to, to listen to Zidane ahead of the game. And they're all really confident. Um, you know, Juventus are a big team and a big club, historically big club, and they give them that kind of respect when, when the players, yes, the players, what's going to happen? They, they say, oh, we really respect Juve, you know, it's only a 50-50 game. But underneath, you can see that they're, they're buzzing, they're really looking forward to it, and they feel that, you know, going into it, they feel they have a great chance of, of winning the tournament. I saw that you had a piece in ESPN.com um, discussing the issue of Isco and Bale with uh, Tony Cruz. Where do you stand on that personally? I know that Cruz is obviously a bit coy in the issue. I would imagine that it's a, an almost like a no-brainer that Isco would have to start ahead of Bale. Yeah, I, I think so. Like It's been a thing all the way through since Bale arrived basically at, at Madrid. There's been a, an idea that the team is a bit too unbalanced. If you put Bale up front and you have Benzema and Ronaldo there as well, that's in midfield, they get overrun. The teams are able to, to hold possession against them, and that puts too much pressure on the defence. The team is unbalanced. You, you're kind of relying on Bale or Ronaldo to pull something out, do something spectacular, and you can't really control the game. And Cruz, you know, when you look at his at the words on the written down, you went back over the tape yesterday. You can see he's being very coy about it. The, the feeling that you get, or I got from him, was that you know he, he didn't want to say it because he couldn't say it, but he much preferred to have another midfielder in there, whether it's this guy or whether it's somebody else. The team is more more balanced, he's got more people to, to pass. And that's the type of game that he likes to play and Modric likes to play as well, is to get the ball down, to move it around. And I think against Juventus as well, that they're gonna you know, they're probably gonna sit deep, you know, we'll see whether they play two or three 
centre-backs, but they're a tight defence. You're going to have to try and break them down. And having somebody like Ispo, who's, who's done really well recently, he's been surprised a lot of people, I think, at how how effective he's been. Cause he's always been a great player, you know, beautiful technique, a guy who can who can beat players and looks lovely on the ball, but maybe not as not with the end product that he's shown in the last couple of weeks. And I think that with Bale himself saying that he's not really 100%, I think it's a no-brainer, as you say, that, that it still comes back. Zidane, we were talking, we were discussing this as well with Paul Little, just about Zidane's man management skills and obviously being over there, you'll be even closer to the to the scene. Just just trying to explain to people and put into context how if how brilliant he actually seems to be in terms of a man manager and he seems to be getting the best out of these guys. I mean, even Isco, we were just talking about him there, the fact that he wasn't uh, an automatic choice earlier in the season. They were saying and shows like Revista de la Liga and things like that, that you had scenarios where uh, Zidane was discussing this with Isco and keeping his head up and stuff like that. He obviously handles these situations very, very well. Yeah, for sure. And it's been a big surprise because when he came in first, people were wondering whether he'd, he'd have that type of man management skills or whether he had the communication skills to, to pull it off. But he, he's t- taken to it brilliantly. You know, he's he's able to talk to them. I think he has such respect that they all... They all know who Zidane is, obviously, and he's been around the club for a long time as well. So they, they know him well be, even before he came into the job. And he seems to be straight with them. Like he says, look, you're not playing this week, and it's because we have a lot of great players, and I will give you a chance further down the line. And then he does, you know, he comes through on that, and he's played players in maybe the, the lower profile La Liga games. He's given them all a good run out in, in those games, and they've responded to him. You know, like Ronaldo has taken well to, be, to being rested, which he never used to do before. And guys like Isco and even Hamed, who's even further on the outs, you know, when he came in, he scored a good few goals as they, they tied up the La Liga title and, you know, came on the Classico and did well there, scored there as well. So Zidane just has that knack. It's not something that, you know, Rafa Benitez struggled a lot with that. It was something he didn't have, maybe more like Carlo Ancelotti, that he's, as an ex-player, he knows what it's like in the dressing room. He knows which buttons to, to push and how to talk to the players in, in language they understand, I guess. And it's it's gone phenomenally well for him. You know, Zidane... He's surprised everybody with just maybe even himself with how well he's he's done the job. He's making it look pretty easy. I mean, he wouldn't have been uh, certainly wouldn't have been noticed as known as the the coolest customer on the pitch. Has there been any has there been any sign of his uh, of the temper snapping anywhere along the line this season? No, not really. He get like he, he's good in the in the press conferences. He always comes in. He always smiles. He's putting on a bit of a show. Obviously, like he he's he knows what he's doing in front of media, and he doesn't. He doesn't care really what what we think, or you know, people put difficult questions to more that the Spanish um, journalists would get more of a chance to do. But they they put difficult enough questions to him, and he, he smiles them off, or he, he brushes them off. There's been a couple of times when he's got a little bit irritated with with certain journalists who, who push him a little bit too far on it. But he never he never snaps. He he just kind of shuts it down and says, "Look, I'm not going to answer that question." Smiles and says, "I know what you're trying to do here, but I'm not playing your game." Kind of. And then they move on to the next one, and he's smiling again. Like it hasn't gone so badly for him, you know. They, they haven't had a, a crisis really. You know, they, they drew a couple of games last last autumn time, and people were wondering, you know, this is a bit of a crisis where they lost two two games on the bounce in January. But things have have pretty much gone gone well for him. He's done well in the job, and he's he's, he's never lost his cool, or even in, in games, he's, he's never got you know doesn't lose the rag with the refs or anything like that, and he's. You know, he's an example, really, to a lot of other managers, I'd say, in how he deals with the, the media and deals with the players, and, and you know, hats off to him, I suppose. I know you, you've mentioned before about uh, 
Madrid's sort of uh, tendency to almost amble through the, the league season and sort of get up for the big Champions League nights. But he's managed to he's managed to harness it a bit better, so they're actually um, you know performing more or less week in week out. Yeah, for for sure. And like he has the best squad. I think you could like he's the best squad in Spain for sure. And I think you could say he's the best squad in in Europe. You know, maybe some teams you could say their first eleven it matches them, but. If you look at the guys they often have on the bench, guys like Hamis, Marasha, who's scored a goal every, I think it's 83 minutes or something this season, but he can't get into the, the team for the big games. Guys like Lucas Vasquez, who are not really, not so high profile, but are really good, come in and do a job natural at the back. And they're they're easily better than, you know, you're going to, to Deportivo La Coruña or, or to Malaga or somewhere like that. These guys would easily walk into into those teams and Zidane has given them the games. He's persuaded Ronaldo or or Modric or, or Ramos that they need to sit out some games to give the other guys a run and instead of it being kind of a often you have a squad full of stars and you know we don't have you only, you only put 11 into the, the team and it's a problem for a coach he, he's managed to make an advantage in that he could keep everybody happy he could win La Liga but Barca weren't able to do it Barca dropped some, some points in City games he turned it to his advantage and said um going to use you guys in these games, I'm going to give you the confidence that, that you can go out and do it. Even when it was a tough match and they had to win it, he still said, I'm going to put the kids in. And It's another kind of thing that Zidane, you wouldn't have had him down as somebody who strategically maybe would have been able to, to think about things like that, but he's done it and he's surprised again. And, you know, again, we misjudged him, I think is, it's fair to say. You have a piece in Thursday's Examiner about uh, about Perez and how this has also sort of turned things around for him and turned around the sort of the perception of of him um, at the club. Um, this sort of second, this this project is it's sort of a, we've used the mod- word modified a few times. It's a sort of a modified Galactico project, isn't it? It's it's a little bit different to to the sort of the first version. Yeah, for sure. Because you know, a couple of years ago, or less than, less than two years ago, I was sat in the Bernabeu and everybody there was was chanting on Florentino to resign. It was a case, or it seemed a case that he blowing all the club's money on too many expensive kind of trinkets and the team lacked the lacked core of players and it was too top-heavy and it was just going to fall over as it did the first time when he had to resign back in 2006 and, and left the club under real, you know, disgrace kind of and people like, oh, Florentino doesn't know anything about football, he just is a rich guy who, who buys the, the fanciest players around. And it is different this time, like, they haven't spent so big... Um, in the last couple of, of transfer windows, they've balanced the books as well. Like when they've bought somebody, they've sold somebody as well. And they've been very clever in picking up guys, you know, guys like Tony Cruz, who was a World Cup winner, who you know, he's 30 million euros, which is a, is a lot for, for some clubs, but for Madrid, it's, it's the kind of money you spend on a fullback or a, a reserve or something. He, they got Modric when, you know, the biggest clubs in England didn't move from Modric, Madrid went in and got him. He, he got guys like Varane, who've come in as youngsters, Asensio, who's, who's great. And he's, a, he's another kid who's coming through. And, it seems he's maybe taken a. He still likes to have his big stars, and he, he loves to have Bale there and Ronaldo there. And Madrid is all about having the biggest club in the world and the best players in the world. But behind them, they're a really good squad. They, the first time he was around, they had the Zidane's and Pavones, and Pavone was, you know, just not really good enough to 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 do week in week out as we were saying before. But the guys they have there now, there's more depth in the squad. They've, they've spent a lot of money on on wages, I guess. To to make sure that they have that depth in the squad, but the, it's much more intelligent. It's not as, as top heavy as it was, and you know he's getting the last laugh. It looks like, especially if they win on if they win on Sunday, it will be or on Saturday, it could be the first time in in 58 years or since 1958 that they do the double that they can keep 
win the league and the European Cup in, in the same year, and that you, he's getting into talk of you know the, those glory days of, of Bernabeu, Santiago Bernabeu, the the original president of the club who built it up to be what it was, and Florentino's getting towards that kind of respect or that kind of name. Whereas a couple of years ago, it looked like he was going to bum out again. He's he's really turned it around. Yeah, like in the previous uh, on the previous project, they would they would almost certainly have bought Pogba last summer, I suppose. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And like he, uh, uh, is there a sense that there was? Um, I suppose they're they're not buying players for the sake of it anymore, really. Um, and they're they're buying players for a role in the team. Yeah, there's there's maybe a little bit of fortune to it as well that you know they were banned from signing somebody, signing anybody for for twelve months, and things have got a bit tighter. Like Florentino's very close to, like he's a he's a, a, a millionaire or a billionaire businessman. He's very close to the the banks here, and he, the first time around he was able to get the money whenever he wanted it, really. Then a little bit like Ireland, Spanish banks all went, all went bust, and that, that kind of credit is not available to them anymore. So the club have to have to be more responsible or sensible about about what they do. So that's maybe a little bit lucky that he, he's restricted a little bit, but it's still true that they have signed the guys that they need. Like if Casemiro came in and he's playing in, in holy midfield, I guess he's kind of the, the the first time around was when they sold Makalele was the big thing to sell Makalele and then try and replace him with, with Beckham, but. Casemiro is that player. He's not fussy. He's not technically the best, but he's he's in the team and he's one of the the key members of it now. And that's I told the, the balance is there. And Zidane puts him in there. Zidane was there the first time around. He saw when things fell apart. He was a good mate of of Makaleli from the France team, and he's championed Casemiro. So everybody's learned lessons, I guess, from from what wrong, went wrong the first time. Derek, just on Gareth Bale as well, you hear murmurings and rumours that. Oh, it's not a hundred percent well between his his team and 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 the club. Is there anything in that, or is it just, is it just utter rubbish? I don't know because I would have said um, back in October, November, when he signed a new contract, he did a he did a, a big press conference and and talked about how just how how much he liked being at Madrid because. He's saying he could have he could have quit along the way and he could have jacked in and gone back to England. He had offers, but he had come through the tough part. I suppose he was saying at that stage and had had settled in Madrid and you know winning Champions Leagues all, all over the place. So he was he was delighted with it. And at that stage, he was saying, "Why would I go back to England, really? Because it would just be a step down from Madrid, like everybody else there, at, even at Manchester United or Liverpool or or Chelsea or whoever. They all want to come to Madrid. So why would he go back?" The last the way things have gone this season with the injuries, he looks a bit more frustrated. When he was there yesterday talking to us, he did seem very, just not happy with how, how the season had gone and how his his ankle was hurting him and his muscle strains and stuff as well. And as well as at the same time, Ben Isco has emerged as this kind of local hero who who's come into the team, who is very popular around the stadium and very popular around the squad, and has, has kind of taken his place in the in the team he's getting towards the stage where if Madrid are ever going to sell him for big money then they're going to have to do it pretty soon so the decision maybe to be made there whether he's if a, if a big big deal came in or big offer came in whether Madrid would take it but I, I think it's unlikely I'd say that unless you know you never know in football but the, the signs would be that that he'll come through it and he'll be back there for, for next season I suppose they had the motivation in La Decima recently. They have their motivation this year of going back-to-back back in the Champions League. And if they were to do that, you're looking at a scenario where they'd be going for three in a row next year, which would be unbelievable, an unbelievable achievement. So I suppose, if anything, they could possibly add to the mix. 
Yeah, for sure. And th- that's something that that it, from from chatting with the players that uh, it comes across that they're well aware of that. And that it's a it's a thing about Madrid that they they kind of it's this got a confidence or arrogance or whatever way you want to say that they they kind of feel that this is what Madrid should be doing. That it, any season that Madrid even get beaten in the Champions League final is a disappointment for them. So to win two in a row is is great, and they're really happy about making history and stuff. But it's not a big surprise to them. It's not like oh. It's, it's amazing that this could happen. It's kind of like, you know, we, we deserve to be doing it. It's the kind of thing that Madrid do. And they have, the, they have to push on. And kind of for... It was the Guardiola time when Barcelona were, were well on top and everybody loved Barcelona and Madrid were in the doldrums. And now they're they're pushing through their the kind of dominance themselves to push Barcelona down and keeping keep on top of Barca and kind of doing more than, than that... doing more than what that Guardiola-Barcelona team did something that would drag them on as well especially Florentino I think from his point of view to to um, he's not going to sit back he's 70 now and he could uh, he could step down his, his term is up this summer but it, look, it all points towards he's just going to go ahead without even being challenged and get another uh, term as, as president but he this is the time when Madrid really pushed through their advantage it's not a time for them to, to step off the gas at all so they might sign more players in the summer I don't know they're going to break world records or anything, but you could see them kind of just using the money to get for Hamid and Morata, adding a few more players to the, to the squad for next season and being favourites again. Even, you know, this is all assuming they beat Juve at the weekend and that's, you know, that's very much up in the air. But the, the feeling around the club and around Spain is that this is a glory age for, for Madrid and they want to push forward in it. And, and lastly, I suppose, I would assume that you're going for Madrid and if so, who's going to be the key man? I, yeah, the, the closer it gets to it, I'm not really sure because I think I think Juventus are a really bad matchup for Madrid. Like I, I think you know the, the best squad are at, and you could argue that they have a, a better team man for man than than Juventus. But Juventus, because they're so smart tactically and because they've been waiting so long themselves to to win the tournament, you know they, it's going to be difficult. I think it's going to be tight, and I wouldn't be surprised if it if it goes to extra time on on um, Saturday, as you know the last two finals that Madrid have won have have gone to extra time and then maybe Madrid's bench will will come through like Bale is probably going to come on with 70 minutes gone it's, it's really well set up for him to score the winner in, in his hometown you know will be will be super for him but I, I'd say Asensio like I, I'm a big fan of Asensio he's, he's 20 he's coming through it's his first real season as a as a top player and he showed against Bayern and against Atletico in the in the games recently Classico as well that he's a really top player not afraid of it at all and, and goes for it so it, does go to extra time when he comes on. I think he might have a maybe a surprise guy to have a play a big role in the final. Thanks for the contribution, Dermot. Excellent as always. Now we have Italian football journalist Emmanuel Giolaninelli. Juventus, obviously, you'd have a a real good handle on what they're about, Julian Emmanuel. And what are your thoughts on Juventus this season, particularly the manager Max Allegri? Juventus has made, of course, an incredible season. I think because they are they are really close to. Uh, to reach something that has been reached really few times in I think in all the European history of football the fact that they are close to they have the opportunity to win three trophies in one year because they have already been champions of Italy for the sixth time in a row that is a record total record in Italian football no one has made this this score before they have won the Italian Cup Coppa Italia and now they have the opportunity to play in this Champions League final that is 
I think that is the the right the right point of arrival of a of a trip that has started in I think I think in 2006 when they were so uh, involved in that football scandal they were forced to start again from from Italian Serie B this like your championship like English championship the second division from that moment they have to uh, put we can say to put a point to turn the page and to start from a white page and in this long trip they have been able to build up again a club to build up again a team and to come back I think really really in in a short time to come back at the top of European football they have already played the Champions League final against Barcelona two years ago but this team this this Juventus is really more mature than the one that have lost against Barcelona and I think that uh, the really really good job made by Max Allegri is the fact that he has been able I think to learn from the mistakes of that match and I think that he won't repeat the, the same mistakes uh, I don't know of course if Juventus will win or will lose but I know that they will fight against Real Madrid with another mentality and another attitude than the one that they had two years ago because two years ago uh, they were I mean, too naive I think approaching that match they didn't have the, the right experience in European football and even Allegri did the mistake of playing two, two, two one to play a two attacking match against the club like Barcelona uh, instead in this year we know that Juventus is one of the best or even the best European defense they have taken only three goals in all the Champions League campaign so their attitude is really changed I, I don't want to say that to win a Champions League you have to play only a defensive football and I'm not saying this but you have to be of course more concrete you have to, to think a lot on the match you're playing you don't have to think only to score but it's in many many matches it's more important not to take a goal than to score goals and Juventus has learned very well how how to avoid taking goals even because they have an incredible defensive line and, and I think the best goalkeeper in the world even if he's close to to be 40, 39, 40 years old. Who for you has been their most important player this season? This is a very interesting question because everyone had the, 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 the doubt that Juventus could have really, really many problems losing, uh, losing a man like Andrea Pirlo that was the key player of Juventus of the man able to to build to build the game. Then uh, they've lost even Paul Pogba, and in Italy there was a lot of, of uh, I can say a lot of words about this about uh, the worries of losing another possible key players. But Juventus is keeping winning and winning even even without these players. So I think that this season, if I had to to make a name. I think that the key player could be uh, found in 
Leonardo Bonucci. It is, I think, one of the most underrated players in European football. I think, actually, uh, one of the three best defense central backs in the world. Uh, and uh, he has had a very hard season, even for his personal problems with his son, that uh, have got a very, uh, very serious illness. So he was even distracted from this. He hasn't played uh, a couple of matches just to be, to be at his side. But he hasn't lost his concentration. He has been always really focused on his matches and he has been able to become really the leader of this team, of the defense of this team. I think that even because he know every every player in the Juventus know that his shoulders are covered by by Gigi Buffon that he's able to to put something on, on, on every mistake. But I think that if I had to choose a name I, I would say Bonucci. Another very important player of course has been has been Dybala because is one of the really wonders of European football, but for me, the, the key player of this event is actually is Bonucci. It's fu- it's funny you say that actually because I do think I do agree that Bonucci is slightly underrated. Um, obviously, people talk about Chiellini, but Bonucci doesn't seem to get as great coverage as he as he probably deserves. I think he's had a phenomenal season. You mentioned Ibala there. What can he achieve going forward, Emmanuel? How how good is he? No one knows where he can what he can reach because he has the potential of become something like Messi. I think something at that at that, at that level. He is, is is at the level of of being one of the most important players in the world, of course, because he has all the skills and yes, he's shown that he has even the mentality to become an important player. That at those levels, maybe uh, the attitude, the mind, the mentality is more important than the technical skills because you can learn, you can improve your technique, your and even your tactical skills. But if you don't have the right mind, you you can't reach uh, the top levels. I think that he is showing that he is ready for something very important. Uh, I would be very curious to see if. He will decide to to stay, to remain in Juventus, or to go to prove himself uh, in some other leagues. I think that uh, the score of this final will decide even his uh, even his destiny, because with a team that has won the Champions League, of course, he could decide to stay here to prove himself with the with the one that will be. Uh, the best team in Europe. If Juventus will lose, I think that he could even decide to go himself to try to try himself in uh, in another league or in another club. But now it's not time to to, <laughs> to talk about the transfer market. But to think about this match that is the most important, uh, the most important match I think of all the season in European football. And are the supporters of Juventus? Are they confident of winning? I was talking to Dermot Corrigan in Madrid and he was saying that uh, there's a real, real confidence on the ground in Madrid that they're going to win. What's the 
mood like in in around the club in Juventus in Italy? What is there a confidence that they can do it? You surely know that in Italy, many supporters are really superstitious. They they don't want to show their confidence about their own teams. But I can tell you that maybe strangely, this time I see all around uh, Juventus supporters. And even a lot of Italian supporters, I, I mean, you know that Juventus in Italy uh, has, has got a big amount of fans, but the supporters of the other teams usually hate Juventus because Juventus is the team that wins a lot. Yeah. Uh, but this time, I see that even the supporters of the other clubs, even that maybe some of them won't support Juventus. They are very confident about this club because uh, being a bit a bit balanced, uh, everyone who likes football uh, says that this is a very good, very good team, maybe the best Juventus of, of the last decades. They have a great opportunity and to, to answer to your question, I can say yes, they are very confident. Uh, there are 18,000 Juventus supporters ready to to fly to, to Cardiff. They are really confident to take this this Champions League, even because it's really too too much time that they don't win a Champions League. The last time it was against Ajax in '96, and Juventus supporters uh, have lost many many Champions League finals. And they they know that the time has come to win this Champions League, even if they have really big respect for Real Madrid that is one of the best teams in the world I don't have to say but uh, they are very confident because winning six Serie A six, six times Italian Italian Serie A it's not something you can do every day they know that they have really big potential and they want to win this this, this cup and just from your own personal point of view Give us a prediction. Do you think they will win? I think they can, yes. If, if I had to bet one penny, I, I would bet on Juventus this time, yes. Excellent stuff, Emmanuel. Many thanks to Emmanuel Gillini for talking to us in the Irish Examiner Paper Talk podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.